Hello and welcome to the Kidney Ally Nutrition Podcast, the one and only podcast where we tackle the hardest questions around what constitutes a good, healthy kidney diet. Whether you're a patient, a carer, a nephrologist, or a dietitian, I'm sure you'll learn something new today about what constitutes a good, healthy kidney diet. Hey guys, welcome to the Kidney Ally Nutrition Podcast. I'm Carl Dresick, your co-host and co-founder of Kidney Ally. Um, pass on to my other co-host. And I'm Ruth Kanda, also co-founder of Kidney Ally. And we're here today to talk about salt. Salt, uh, a common enemy that I never thought I'd have when I was younger. Uh, I really loved salt when I was growing up. I remember um, uh, I could, potentially I, it could have led to me getting CKD or moving first from my kidney disease, not knowing, because I used to eat in Australia when I was growing up, like olives, like jars of olives and pickles and, uh, you know, tomato paste on, on, on bread was a very family tradition, pizzas, uh, McDonald's, lots of terrible food, thinking of like a classic 90s child diet. Um, but now with a kidney transplant, um, I've obviously realized how bad salt can be for your kidneys. Um, so what we're really trying to tackle today is some demystification around salt, what you should think about as a patient with salt and how you should modify your diet accordingly. Uh, but in the first section, just getting some knowledge on salt and the body from Ruth. Um, probably the first question around, you know, what is salt in regards to a, a thing you eat and how does that interact with your body? So like, what is salt generally? And then when you eat it, what happens inside your body? So salt, obviously. Salt is used for multiple things. It's used as a flavoring and as a preservative for foods. So a lot of um, sort of preserved foods has got a lot of salt in it. Salt can do two things, a few things to your body, actually. And I think we're learning more and more. And I don't think not everything is well established. But in terms of blood pressure, it can affect blood pressure and make blood pressure go high if you have a tendency to it or in older age. And it can also cause your body to retain water. So again, if you've got heart problems or kidney problems, then it can cause your body to retain water even more than, than it would do um, with those um, medical problems. And there is some theories that salt can damage the inside of vest blood vessels, so arteries and veins, but that's not as well established, but salt really does affect the whole body and does do lots of things but we're not exactly sure more than that making the blood pressure go high and retaining fluids and some vessel damage we're not sure of other things but we do know that that people eat a lot of salt and we should be reducing our salt intake so when it comes to like the in a kidney diet it, it seems like a lot of doctors say reduce salt reduce salt reduce salt why why do they say reduce salt? Because, because blood pressure management in chronic kidney disease is so paramount and so essential to managing kidney disease that they don't want you to have any extra salt in the diet because they don't want your blood pressure to go up. So if, you, if, if you've got normal blood pressure and, you know, and it's completely stable, you don't need any medicines whatsoever, then, then maybe it's not as crucial as someone with high blood pressure who is on a variety of medications to manage their kidney disease. But it's all about the blood pressure because the higher your blood pressure, 
the more damage it's going to do to your kidneys. It's, I find it amazing how quickly high blood pressure can get damaged your kidneys. If you've got high blood pressure for five years, that's it, and you don't know about it, your kidneys are gone. They're completely damaged within five years, which is really quick. Yeah. Really quick. I've seen people say to me, oh, yeah, the GP told me my blood pressure was a bit high a few years ago. And then they're on dialysis. Yeah. So really, sure. if you're above, you know, I would say above the age of 20 and you're healthy, just make sure that you're, you know, check your blood pressure every six months or yearly. Just make sure it's within the normal range. And I know for myself, and I don't have kidney disease, I always had really low blood pressure. And now in the last few years, my blood pressure has definitely gone up and I'm definitely trying, you know, to be more careful and to watch it because I don't, I'm scared, you know, I don't want to get high blood pressure and therefore kidney disease. So do watch it. So, and then the other point you mentioned before around retaining fluid, does that have something to do with the kidneys as well? So if you're eating, say, like a really salty um, jar of olives, which is really salty, and then that, and then your body, your is it because your kidneys aren't processing the salt that you're getting the retaining fluid and, it, and is the retaining of fluid bad? What does that, what happens in your body? I think because the body is retaining the salt, so it retains the fluids as well. It draws it in and therefore you retain fluid. But I think it's only really at the much later stages. So probably CKD four or five that you, that you do that. But if you've got a heart failure as well or heart problems then that's a consideration as well and that can happen at ckd3 two or three much earlier because the heart if the heart is not pumping properly around the the blood around the body then you retain water as well so i think it's that the salt because the salt that you eat gets retained so it retains it draws in the fluid and makes you retain fluids and that's why it's so important not to have too much salt and does it get retained because your kidneys aren't working or does it get retained because you're just eating a, a significant amount of it? It's the salt. It's it, Again, if your kidneys aren't working, it's more the later stages that mm. the kidneys are not getting rid of the fluid. So stage four and five, but stage two and th one, two, three, it's more because the salt is, make, is drawing the water in and preventing your body from getting rid of it. Ah, okay, gotcha. Um, so if... Is there anything positive that salt does for the body, or, it, or is, or, 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 or if is it possible to just to never recommend for anyone to eat salt? Well, I don't think it's possible to never have any at all. I think that's quite difficult, and you've got to be, you know, like superhuman. I think to not have any salt whatsoever. Um, but I think that that um, you do need salt, you do need salt um, for electrolyte balance and balancing the body and, and making sure everything's working properly. But you don't need as much, I think, as modern day people are eating, because I think we're all, maybe not so much the CKD population, because they've kind of been educated to have more fresh foods and less processed food. But I think as a general wider sort of population, I think a lot of people eat ready-made food and ready-made food is automatically gonna have quite a lot of salt in it because it's gonna, so that it's tasty and so that it lasts longer as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And then so an average, an average person, what, how much salt should they be having a day? And then should it, based on that amount there, should a kidney patient be having like half that amount or a quarter of that amount? And where's the, where's the ballpark recommendation? So the government guidelines are six, five to six grams a day, 
of salt, which is about a teaspoonful, which sounds not so much, but is quite a lot. Um, and in terms of a kidney patient, I think, I mean, I would say if you can do three grams a day, two and a half to three grams a day, I think you'd be doing really well. And a lot, of, you know, a lot of the information is saying that if you have fresh, freshly cooked food and try to have as little packaged food or takeaway food or restaurant food as possible, you're going to automatically get to that level anyway. So, so that's quite encouraging. So, um, so we just talked about um, uh, having six grams of salt a day, which I'm sure would be a lot more from an average person. Um, and a CKD patient should really try and reduce that by half. But when you're cooking at home, I think it's very difficult to kind of measure every day how much that is, especially because most packaging has sodium as opposed to salt. So that's probably the first question in regards to packaging is, what is the difference between salt and sodium or are they the same thing? Yeah, well, salt is actually um, sodium chloride the sort of table salt is salt sodium chloride and sodium is just it's just sodium so it's not got a chloride attached so it's slightly different so um if you're looking at packaging anything that is point uh, three three or four grams per 100 grams of salt 100 grams of food is going to be high and if it's 0.6 grams of sodium per 100 grams of food then that is very high i think I think most places in the world now are trying to list it as salt and not sodium. Um, and I think, I mean, certainly in the UK, and we, in the UK, we've got this whole traffic light system. In America, I think they do actually use maybe sodium, but they put it at a percentage of the daily intake. So you really want that to be as low as possible. And you want it to be, um, you probably, I think if 0.6 grams of sodium per 100 grams of food is high, then you probably want it to be also less than 0.3 or 0.1. Yeah, I think it's really um, good. 0.1 will be 100 milligrams per 100 grams of food. So that, you know, you just want it to be as low as possible. But I think I always say to people, if you're eating mostly, mostly, you know, freshly cooked foods, to have the occasional high salt foods is probably not the end of the world. You may feel it in whatever way, because I've noticed on our Facebook group, some people say that they actually feel it when they had something salty, they really feel it. I don't, I don't know what that means. I know if I've had a takeaway, which is quite rare, I'm really thirsty afterwards, but I think just, just see how you go. But if you're mostly having fresh food, I won't worry too much about it, but just keep, try and keep to the point, to the two and a half to three grams a day or two, 2500 milligrams of sodium a day. yeah i think that and it's a good thing to like because we have so many different countries that that join the group and listen to the podcast that having a look at the labels is really important understanding them in your culture and the, yeah. the closer you can get to zero the better and just understanding yeah. what those grams or ounces or whatever it is means and the lower you can get the better um yeah. and look at sodium or salt as well and then, so in regards to your your blood that you might get, um, this was a big insight that I found when speaking to Ruth, is sodium or salt that you get in your blood test doesn't correlate to what you eat, which is huge because I thought actually, if that's reducing, then I'm eating less salt. So just a clarification that the way to measure is really difficult to measure 
because it's literally what you put in your mouth, not what the blood results say. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So the only way to measure dietary sodium intake is urinary sodium. So doing a 24 hour urine collection and then measuring the salt in there is the only way to measure dietary sodium or to do a really strict food diary using something quite reliable like chronometer or carbs and cows or something like that. That's a million percent. That is very, very reliable. Um, I think, you know, most doctors won't want to measure urinary sodium or 24 hour urine unless they're looking for something specific. Like sometimes people want to see what your 24 hour um, uh, urine output is. So they'll ask you to measure it in that capacity, but very unlikely to measure it unless they think you've got some you know, um, you know, syndrome, there are certain syndromes associated with salt, which is quite complicated, so I'm not going to get into now, but yeah, and then serum sodium is really, a is mostly a reflection of your hydration status, so if your sodium is high above the normal range, it's more than likely you're dehydrated, if it's really, really low, then you're overhydrated, and a good, good example of that is I saw a lady privately, or I had the conversation with her, I hadn't seen her actually, I had a conversation with her about seeing her privately and I was trying to sort something out for her. And then she said to me that she was in hospital with a sodium of, of 130, which is very low. And she was a patient, a polycystic kidney disease patient on, um, on the Medistol-Tolvaptan. Uh, where you have to drink quite a lot of water, I think about four liters a day. She was drinking six to eight liters a day. So she's overloaded herself and that's what caused the low sodium level. So just be really careful. If you're on Tolvaptan or that, that medicine for polycystic kidney disease, really check with your healthcare provider how much water you should drink. I think it's three to four liters a day. Don't go over that because going over that is gonna do you more harm than good, okay? And then if you're not on that and you're just a CKD patient, drink till your urine is clear. And that's usually about two and a half to three liters a day. Also depends on your body size. If you're a tiny person of 40 kilos, you probably don't need more than one and a half liters a day. So just be careful. Yeah, I think that balance of water, of salt is really important as well. Just drink lots of water, but maybe not 10 liters, but just at least drink lots of water. Uh, keep common sense. Yeah. Um, and then um, probably moving on from labels onto actually foods themselves is I think the key is to get into the behavior of just defaulting to foods with close to no sodium, like um, fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, um, and not, and you know, cooking at home because as soon as you go to takeaway meals, re ready to go meals, they're just gonna be massively huge in uh, sodium. So that's probably foods people can avoid or eat less frequently. Yeah. But is there particular foods people should avoid that are really, really, really high in sodium, like olives or other ones? Yeah, so any pickled food. So olives are pickled, cucumbers, onions, gherkins, that kind of thing. And then cured meats, so smoked meats or, um, you know, like um, uh, sausages, breakfast salami, salami, um, and then uh, smoked haddock, smoked salmon, um, that kind of thing will be really salty. And then, um, and then also thinking about, you know, packaged snacks. 
they're really salty like crisps and salted peanuts and salted nuts and that kind of you know salted crackers anything like that is going to be really salty so just be careful one thing to note and i this sounds crazy and i've really never got my hand around it there are some vegetables with natural sodium so for example someone highlighted to me this and i didn't know this and it was somebody who came to me because they had tinnitus which is ringing in the ears and for some people they need a very loose salt diet as well in this condition and this person said to me that their doctor told them not to have carrots and I said to them really and I looked up sodium in carrots and it's got a little bit of sodium I mean I wouldn't have thought it's enough to 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 not have them but just be aware so there are some and I guess it's to do with the soil as well that they're grown in so just be aware but that's not something you need to consider you don't need to go that far it's more about the processed food, the salty food, and the and the ready-made food, and putting salt in cooking—it's more about that than anything else. Yeah, I think that um, one big area that I changed that really helped was cutting out um, uh, like cured meats. That was a huge one because I used to eat a lot of that, um, uh, and olives and um, pickles was a big one. Mm. Um, and yeah, when you're cooking, just try not to add. A lot of salt into it or almost no salt and use just natural flavors to increase that and i think what that's one thing that people that have naturally eaten a lot of salt go to is they're missing that salty flavor um so is there is there other other things that people can use in their cooking to get salt or that savory type flavor so it doesn't taste so bland so i do, i think i think look i think things like pasta rice potatoes quite difficult to cook them and not have any salt at all so i say put a little bit in but there are i mean there are salt substitutes but i i have to admit i don't really recommend them for kidney patients because they're essentially potassium chloride and that makes me very nervous that it will make potassium levels go up even if they normal it makes me worried that they'll go up anyway because it's quite it's it's potassium salt essentially but there's you know there's i think it's adjusting your palate and i think the first two weeks is really hard to adjust your palate and then you just can't eat any salty foods anyway so that's so that works quite well and i think using more the herbs and the spices and mint you know all sorts of mint and garlic and paprika and all those kind of and herb blends i think is the best thing you can do to help yourself um, there are people have mentioned some non-potassium salt substitutes on the group that we have kidney ally facebook but i i'm not sure about them i'm not familiar with them i don't know much about them there was one that was green i can't remember what it's called i don't know if you it's remember dash is the one that people go nuts about yeah. is that yeah i mean we've got no affiliation to mrs dash at all but yeah it looks like the mrs dash ones without salt there's a whole there's loads of them it is i think they're good they, they seem good um i need to get some actually to use them but i think they're good i think they're good i would go for that or low sodium stock cubes like a lot of the the baby um stock cubes or or, or things to make baby food flavorings don't have much salt in them so that's a good that's a good one and also okay. some of the baby um or the little toddler snacks don't have any salt in them at all so they might be a little bit high potassium actually because they're like vegetable-y snacks but if you're 
CKD23A, you should be fine with that. And then no salts, that's brilliant for you. Yeah, I think that I'd back the low sodium stock cubes. Um, being someone that doesn't eat meat, I use the vegetable stock cubes. And I was so surprised how I had pretty much no salt in them. And I was able to make really nice risotto or really nice soups um, with that, which you, you can get the salt hit. And um, similar to, as you mentioned, after I switched my diet from uh, just, I think I was probably having maybe above average salt to close to no salt. I've just massively stocked up my seasonings. So things like garlic powder, onion powder, mustard powder, um, cumin, paprika, herbs. And then one thing I found that has loads of flavor that pretty much don't need salt for is fresh herbs. So when you have the bottled herbs, they're very good for, you know, curries or like if you're making um, maybe some vegetables and stuff. But then as soon as you have, if you have fresh parsley or fresh mint or fresh basil, you don't need to have salt because there's so much flavor in there that has zero salt, super healthy, and add them into a salad instead of salt. And you'll get that kind of taste and that flavor that you need. And yeah. it's a thousand times healthier for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's great. I think it's just adjusting and finding what you like best. Everyone is different. Everyone's got different tastes, different cultures, different cuisines. It's just adjusting what you, you know, you're doing, cutting down on the salt and um, finding the flavors that you love best. I think if I serve my family things with parsley all over it, I think they throw it at me. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, garlic and onion powder would be much more acceptable to them. So I think it's finding what you like and, and using that. Yeah, and like kind of go into recipes that you liked particularly or you cook for your family or cook for yourself or your friends and then just try and find a substitute. So I always, um, whenever I open a Jamie Oliver book or an Ottolenghi book and they use salt, I just don't put salt in and I might put some extra garlic or I might put um, some paprika or something like that or garlic powder because then I, I, it kind of adds that the flavor that would have been there and my tongue has adjusted to not having that much salt. Um, there are times that um, it's frustrating sometimes for family members that, that do want to have that salt, but you can always tell them to add salt on the top as well. Um, and there's a lot of really, I actually found with tomato sauce or ketchup that now um, there's options for almost close to zero salt. It's a bit sugary, but they can still, you can still get that flavor. And it just, uh, to Ruth's point, it takes a few weeks to get over that point. Um, but um, experiment, try and make stuff. The fresher it is, the the low, the less salt there's going to be, and mm -hmm. maybe just slowly reduce yourself off having four takeaways a week to three to two, then one, and then maybe once a fortnight, and you'll be doing kicking goals that way. You know, avoid roots point like on the go food because you know the 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 more prepackaged it is, the higher the chance, um, and also beware of like fads because i think we get a lot of questions in the group around is sea salt different to regular salt or is himalayan salt different to this salt or i found this salt is different salt is salt and salt is salt so yeah. there is no there is no fake salt it's going to be salt <laughs> yeah i mean there's this thing about himalayan salt how it's amazing for you and it's you know so healthy it's really not it's so expensive salt like carl just said salt is salt you want to use it 
use cheap, you know, regular table cheap salt and use a tiny bit if you must, you know, but I, I promise you, if you go with very little salt and cut it down gradually, for, it takes two weeks, that's it. It's the same with sugar as well. It takes two weeks. If you avoid, you know, sugary foods for two weeks, after that, your taste, your taste buds change really quickly. You won't, you won't want it or need it or, or, or crave it at all. It almost tastes repulsive, like it's almost repulsive after, I think, after a while when you have like a, um, I remember I had some crisps um, or chips like after and you taste that salt. You're like, oh my God, this is very salty. But before you chuck down the whole packet in five minutes. So I think that it's balancing it out. And then if you're cooking, we find a lot of people join the group cooking for others, mm-hmm. maybe slowly change it for your husband or your partners cooking over time and then eventually their taste buds will slowly change. And if you do it instantly, they're not gonna like it, but do it slowly over time. Yeah. Um, but I think that's everything we have on um, the key questions on salt and sodium and um, being careful on that. Um, you should definitely check out all our previous podcasts. We cover a topic each time um, and check out our website, kidneyally.com. Uh, sign up to there to, to get more notification or join our Facebook group. It's one of the biggest ones now on Facebook, um, kidney disease, uh, uh, recipe and diet ideas. You'll see a big salmon in the middle. Uh, Check it out, ask some questions, free recipes on there, um, and catch you next time. Bye for now.